Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, enough of that. Let's move on. Um, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 in the soft cover Bibles in your seats there. It's page 735. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue our series on the Beatitudes. Um, and uh, the Beatitudes are a series of statements that say, you know, blessed are or God blesses those who. And so really that word blessing translates to um, happiness or the happy people. So we just tell our series the happy people. Uh, so this is a happy people series. And it'll be up there in a minute. Um, let's see. Here we go. Yes, maybe. There we go. Happy people. That's it. Um, so in context, here's give you a little bit of background if this is your first time uh, coming into this series. So Jesus is teaching uh, a group of uh, Jewish people on a mountainside. This is a very famous portion of a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the leaders and the influencers of the Jewish community was a group called the Pharisees. And they were very much concerned with external, with outward appearances and with, you know, impressing people and strict adherence to the law and that you earn your way to God. And uh, Jesus is uh, calling them on it, basically. He says, you got this backwards. Uh, This is not right. And so uh, in verse 1, Jesus says this. He says, one day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. And Jesus begins to reveal who the happy people are. And and I can tell you that at first blush, it, it sounds like Jesus is crazy, like he's lost his mind. Okay, and this is so. If you think about who the happy people are, like who do you think of as happy? Like who do you vision? Like who's the happiest person you know, right? Like annoyingly happy, right? Who who is that person, right? So think of that, and now Jesus is going to start describing who the happy people are, and it's totally not who you think. He says, verse three, he says, God blesses or happy are those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And this idea of poor is actually like poor in spirit. Like they have, they, they don't think very highly of themselves. They don't think more of themselves than they ought to. And basically, they know that they are nothing. It sounds happy, right? People who know that they are nothing. Oh, wow, Jesus, that's, oh, this is compelling. This is compelling. The happiest people are nothing, but he reveals because not only do they, are they nothing, but they also know that they have everything. Right? They're, they're poor in spirit. And theirs is the kingdom. They're going to have it all. So they know that they are nothing, but they're going to have everything. So guess what? That results in, in deep, deep joy. And then he continues and he says in verse 4, he says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Because again, the mourners, the grievers, those are the people that really, when I think of happy, I think of people that are absolutely distraught. Just grief. They just, first thing, happiness, grieving. Why, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing? And what he's saying here is very simple. He says, the happiest people are not okay, but they know that they will be. He blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted, because basically this idea of comforting is God is going to himself personally come alongside. So blessed are those, happy are those who are grieving, because in their grief, they find God like they've never found him before. Because he is the comforter, and he comes to you. And then he continues, he says, blessed are those who are meek or humble. He says, for they, for they will inherit the whole earth. This idea of meekness isn't the, you know, we said it looked like a little kitty cat. Like, that's what you think of meekness. You know, like this 
gentle little cat who wouldn't, you know, harm a fly. You know, that's right. And Jesus says, no, no, let me tell you that meekness is power under control. It is, it is the black belt who knows that the highest expression of martial arts is not needing to use it. The ability to walk away. Says it's power under control. That is meek. Meek is not weakness. It is power under control. And happy are those who are meek because they know they have power. They know they don't need to use it. So they keep calm and they tarry on. That waiting and expectation for God to take care of business. They do what they can do. They are not weak, but they are power under control. They are they're not reckless. So he continues. So these are all these things that are just challenging. And he continues today. We're looking at the fourth. We read this next description of who the happy people are, and I want to remind you that this is descriptive, not prescriptive. God is saying, Jesus is just saying, hey, I'm just going to point out a few characteristics of people who are happy. He's not saying, do these things and you will become happy. Don't pursue grief. Don't pursue mourning, right? Don't, don't try to get out there and, and, and think less of yourself. So listen, this is not what I'm telling you. It's not prescriptive. It's just descriptive. It's just saying, this is what I notice about people that are truly, truly joyful. And this is what he says in verse 6. This is our text for the morning. He says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. See this hunger and thirst metaphor. It's Jesus is using a very physical uh, expression to describe spiritual realities. In college, I did a three-day fast. Anybody ever do a fast of any kind, of, you know, diet, whatever? I did a three-day fast in college. It was for a class. I had to do it. I went to a Christian college. They make you do stuff like that. The journal, my experience, all this kind of stuff, spiritual. So for three days, I didn't eat. So day one, I was like, all right, I can do this. I mean, I'm a college kid. I'm young. I'm like, you know, gurgling. But I'm like, I'm okay. Yeah, no no problems. I'll, I'll be all right. It was just water. I just had some water over those three days. Um, day two, I was like, ooh. I can feel really spiritual, really spiritual. Um, I was hungry. Day three. Day three, I was actually very mentally clear. I didn't really wasn't hung, as hungry as much anymore, but I was incredibly weak. Just body just felt I felt tired, but I, was, I felt very mentally mentally clear and sharp. Um, and I broke the fast, uh, like I, I by um, getting a large pizza from uh, um, a, a local pizzeria in town. Um, that was a horrible idea. Horrible. Um, if anybody knows Brian Regan, he's a comedian. Everything on my inside wanted to be on my outside. Like, it was really, really a bad idea to to break a three-day fast with a greasy, cheesy pizza. It was just, it was bad. It was bad. But that's probably um, about as close as I've ever come to hunger. Like, three days of not eating. That's about the close I've ever come to being true hunger, and it was entirely self-imposed. Like, I did that. Right? Like, I, I chose to do that. In our world, there are people who have no choice about their hunger. We know this, right? Globally, one in four children are food insecure. That means they don't know where their next meal is coming from. One in four in our world. Like, that's a lot. Can we agree that's a lot? One in four. This is... The effect of that typically means that their growth is stunted. They don't even grow because they don't have enough to eat. One in four. Like, listen, I'm sensitive to height. And they tell me one in four kids don't even have a chance to grow to what they could be because they ate. Listen, I gave myself every chance. This is as tall as I got. 
Like, but I maximized it, man. I maximized it. I gave my, I, I had every opportunity. I had vitamins. I did it all. I drank milk. They were like, milk makes you taller. I was trying. I tried it all. I mean, I did everything. It didn't, didn't help. But this isn't just a third world problem. This is not like just somewhere overseas, right? In New Jersey alone, one in five. The numbers aren't much better. One in five kids in New Jersey is food insecure. Over 1.1 million people in New Jersey are living without knowing where their next meal is coming from. That's over a million people right here. Right here. Home. And children suffering from poor nutrition during the brain's most formative years often score less, lesser and lower on tests and vocabulary, reading comprehension, math, and general knowledge. Now, I don't know everybody's story today. Some of you have guessed it, but I just don't know everybody's story. And I don't know what your background is with that. And if you've ever experienced genuine hunger in your life, then you will have a better understanding of this message than any of us. But for the rest of us, I, for those who haven't necessarily had that experience, who maybe it was only self-imposed like myself, let me ask you this. When was the last time you ate? Less than an hour? And when do you expect to eat again? Less than an hour? <laughs> like if you're thirsty... We got options, right? There's water bottles, there's sinks. You can just turn a faucet and water's there. And it's clean. It's filtered. You got you don't we don't have problems right now with this stuff. But this was not the case in Jesus' world. When he was talking to these people, they didn't live in a world in a culture like we lived. Water was scarce. Travel was difficult. They lived in a very arid climate. It was, it was a different world. They didn't have the systems and the infrastructure that we have today. Desert tribesmen in the Middle East refer to water as the wine of God. It was precious. Many would have personally known both unrelenting hunger and life-threatening thirst. On journeys, right, the question would be, do we have enough water to survive to the next destination? Can we make it to the next place where we can get more water? Right? Like, it was survival, water and food. This was life and death. See, when hunger sets in, the body begins to get thin. Muscles stop developing. Bones don't grow. The body becomes deficient of nutrients and vitamins. The mind is unable to process even routine functions. Any activity becomes exhausting. As you begin to get into, I mean, three days. Three days is nothing. And food was right there as a choice. But for those who live for years and years without food, it has effects on the body. The mind recognizes the stages of hunger. Survival survival becomes all-consuming. Everything is about, I need the next meal. I need the next meal. What am I eating? Where am I going to... And anything, everything is about food. I can tell you after two days of not eating, like, I smelled everything. Like, oh, you're eating a cracker. It's a cracker. Proverbs says, even what is bitter tastes sweet for those who are hungry. I was just, just everything. You just notice food everywhere. I think one of the things I noticed over those three days was how much time I spent eating. In college, I'm in the cafeteria three days, three times a day. But I'm not just in the cafeteria. I'm also getting snacks throughout the day. Like, we just spend so much time Centered around food. Food is deeply spiritual. It's sustenance. It's, it's definitely a ground zero for our existence. 
And when you don't have it, everything becomes about food. Nothing else matters except finding something to eat. And thirst is similar except more so. You can survive for three weeks without food. Three days without water. Only more so with thirst. Water is the most abundant molecule in the human body. It makes up about 70% of your body weight. It maintains your body's temperatures. It transports vitamins and minerals. It lubricates your joints, your eyes, your insides. The body's primary thirst center. Anybody know? Hypothalamus. Anybody know these words? Sorry, some of you medical folks. It regulates your body temperature, your sleep, your appetite. And there are sensors in the hypothalamus that constantly monitor the blood's concentration of sodium and other substances. And the reality is you lose water all day long. We sweat it out. We work it out. Water just sort of comes out of our body. And we need to constantly replenish it. And without water, your body begins to gradually shut down. First step is fevers. You get dehydrated. Dizziness sets in. Confusion. Heart begins to increase in speed. Difficulty breathing. And eventually you begin to lose consciousness. When blood volume or pressure falls too low from excessive loss of fluid, the hypothalamus sends out a strong message, which is basically this, drink something now. (laughs) And we interpret that as, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm perched. I hate that word. But I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Now everybody's going to use it. They're going to be like, hey, Pastor Dan, I'm perched. Thank you. Water. Why do you need to know all that? Why the science lesson? Because it's that sort of extreme urgency that Jesus is talking about here. He's not saying simply, people are, the happy people will say, hey, i got a hankering for some justice. I could really go for some of that if it's convenient today. You know, if it's around, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I'll grab a donut. Sure, you put it in front of me. I could, I could, I could take that. What he's saying is this is a life-threatening reality. That for people who are in this mode, if they don't get it, They will not survive. So Jesus is saying, literally, these are those who are hungering and thirsting. They are starving for justice. So the operative word for today is justice. What is this justice that God is talking about? And when I think of justice, you know what I think of? Revenge. Think of revenge. Justice. Right? You think of the the bullied kid getting revenge. Those who hunger and thirst for justice. You think of the spouse that's been cheated on. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm hungry for justice. Justice. I think of every superhero ever and their backstory. And they're, they're the Avengers, right? The Justice League, right? It's all about justice and revenge. Of course, the greatest example in history of revenge. Say it with me. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Revenge. Justice. What did Jesus mean by justice? And why is it so stinking important to happy people? Why are they so hungry for justice? See, justice is interchangeable with this other word called righteousness. It means essentially rightness. That things are as they should be. That they're right. It's right standing. And there are three applications of this word. I'm going to briefly described. And the first is God's right, rightness. We'll call it His rightness. That God is right. And this represents God's mighty acts to save people. That God acts in, to make you right with Him. 
That's what, that's what this justice means, that God makes you right with him. King David said this, says, God, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the ocean depths. You can see how he connects those two words, righteousness, justice. Your righteousness is like the mountains, justice like the ocean depths. He says, I will tell everyone of your righteousness all day long. I will proclaim your saving power. Though I am not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. And again, he continues, how amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. Ethan, the Ezraite, named my son after him, in Psalm 89 wrote this, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. It's the foundation of God's throne. God is Righteous and just. He has rights. When we sin, we, when we fall short of perfection, it happens every day. And if you don't think you sin, you just did it again. It happened right there. See, God loves us and he acts to make us right with him. That's what this, this sense of justice, of rightness is about. And God never fails to do so. He is the foundation of who he is. The sense of just and right. Everything he does is right. And the totally right God declares that we are right with him. And only he can do that. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying the happy people are starving for God to make them right with him. To make our being right, who we are right. And God is the only one who can do that. Because they're hungry for God to make them right with him. But that's not it. Not only that. It's also about our rightness, that our actions would be right. This is about holiness, that we would do what's right. Dedicating ourselves to God. Here's the reality. I fail all the time. Hi, my name is Dan. Not only the a member, the president, right? I'm part of this. I fail. I've never gotten it all right. And righteousness, righteousness, it means getting it all right. And I have never done that. But he says this is what happy people are hungry for. They're hungry to get it all right. Not that they are there, but that they are relentless in their pursuit of it. It's an all-consuming quest for holiness. They're not okay with doing what is not right. It's not because they're trying to earn righteousness, because again, we just learned that only righteousness can come from God. But since God has saved them because of His righteousness, they want to live a life that reflects the grace they've been given. Jesus is saying that the happy people are hungry for the day they get it all right. So that God would make us right. I'm hungry for God to make me right. I'm also hungry for the day that I respond to that and get it right. But that's not all. It's also means that we're driven to experience the world's rightness. But not only is life just for them, but for, for everyone. Let me ask you, is our world all right? Everything right in our world? Is there anything wrong? Is there anything right? <laughs> the world is a mess and Jesus is saying the people that are happy when they look around when they see something is wrong they can't stomach it they can't take it they have an unquenchable thirst for the wrong to be made right let me ask you um, you can admit to this or not but has anybody ever been to the Shady Maple? good and plenty Anybody know what these places are? Lancaster, okay. This is called Pennsylvania Dutch Smorgasbord. All right, these words ring a bell. Okay, so basically, this is a real place. 
Those are not mirrors. Okay? You can get food here. And you can get food there and there and there and there and there and there. And this is just one part. This place is filled with food. And guess what? It's all you can eat. Pull up a bucket. That's what I'm saying. Am I wrong? I mean, you want chicken? You can have as much chicken as you want. You want steak? You can have as much. You want potatoes? I mean, this is meat and potatoes. This is heavy food. You can eat as much as you want at the Shady Maple. Mountains of food. I'm, I'm serious. It's just an, it's an experience. I'll say that. I don't know if that it's quality, but it's definitely got quantity down. <laughs> there isn't enough food in all the restaurants in all the world to satisfy the hunger that we have for justice in our world. It's so broken and so wrong. There's not enough food anywhere to satisfy that hunger. It's a holy anger, a righteous indignity saying, this is wrong. Jesus is saying the people that are happy are starving for all the wrongs in our world to be made right. See, there's the problem right here is that I've, I've never looked at a malnutrition child and said, boy, they look so happy. They just look so happy. They're hungry like that. I mean... Some of you are married. When your spouse is hungry, are they happy? Right? We call that hangry, right? You know that word. I've got some hanger issues, right? Like you're hungry and I'm angry because I'm hungry. You don't look at hungry people and say, oh, they must be happy. So then why is God telling us that the spiritually hungry people are happy? It doesn't make any sense. Is he nuts? <laughs> and the reality is that this is all Jesus said. If it stopped there... It would be very hard to understand. But he wasn't done. He said, blessed and happy are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for rightness, for they will be satisfied. Whoa. This, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know if I'm, I may regret this later, but I'm going to say it anyway. This may perhaps be the greatest promise God has ever made. This may be the single greatest promise God has ever given. Jesus says that every person who is starving for God to make them right with him, to be saved from their sinful state, that every person starving for their lives to look so holy that they get it all right, that every person starving for everything wrong in the world to be made right, he promises that not one person will be left unsatisfied. He is promising a hundred percent satisfaction. Money back guarantee. That's a Come on, that's a big promise. That everything wrong will be made right. That every hungry and thirsty heart is going to be full. Actually, he says he's going to fill you with grass. That's actually what he says. Is that weird? Grass? Yes, grass. It comes from a word, the sense of fulfillment. When it says satisfied, it actually comes from a word saying that there will be enough grass. Listen, if you are hungry for justice, there's going to be enough grass. It comes from a, from, see, cause again, know, know, know the culture. You're talking about cattle, cows. He says that there would be enough grass for all the cows to eat. Enough grass for all the cows to eat. See, not only does God own the cattle on a thousand hills, 
But we are those cattle on those thousand hills. He's calling you cows. Yes, I called you cows. Would you learn in church? Pastor called me a cow. Okay. And here's the reality. Not only are you cows, but there's enough grass for all of you. To eat to your heart's content. You will be satisfied. Every desire, every hunger, every appetite for justice, for right standing with God, for you to do what's right, for everything in the world be right, made right. says so every bit of that will be 100% satisfied. Jesus is saying the happiest people are starving for everything right, and they will have it. Because they are starving for everything right, and they will have it. So what? When you walk out of here in a few minutes and go on to eat more food? So what? Perhaps the reason Jesus highlighted the people who are starving for justice, for rightness, is because they have hearts just like God. See, because God is hungrier than all of us put together for everything to be made right. God is hungrier than you are for the wrongs to be made right. He wants us to be right with him, to do right, and for all wrongs to be made right. And he can do it. God can do it. And the only thing holding him back from just doing it right now, the only reason God doesn't just go, you know, push the button, just going to boop, the right button. There's a big button in heaven that just says, make it all right. He can do that. He can just push the button. All becomes right. You know, you got the easy button. Well, there's a big button that says right. You can push the right button. Everything's going to go right. God can do that. Why is he not? Because he's got great love for those who don't yet know him. He says, I'm just, I'm just, just a few more, just a few more people. I'm waiting. And that's where we come in. Last Sunday, I had the opportunity to honor the life of a man who was hungry for justice. He had spent his life serving others. And my message for the, it was his, his funeral. And the message came from a verse he had underlined and placed a post-it note next to in his Bible. And it, just so happened that Nancy opened up our service with that verse this morning. It was Micah 6, 8, and it says this, And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And the post-it note next to the verse had this question, What does God ask of us? What does God ask of us? Be so hungry for justice that you love being kind as you walk with the one who is always right. God so wants everyone to be made right. He keeps sending us out for more. This is not some casual cause that we are part of here. This is life or death. And God wants us to understand the severity of this. He says, listen, this is something you've got to be starving for. In Matthew, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on a lookout for a choice pearls. And when he discovered the pearls of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And we think that that story says that the kingdom of, we, we're the people who are just trying to find this kingdom of heaven. When we find it, we sell everything to get it. And he says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven is not compared to the merchant, but it's compared to the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is... It's like, it's like, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not like the pearl, it's like the merchant. 
The pearl isn't the thing we were looking for. It's the merchant. It's always looking for it. We're hungry for it. We're out there. Here's the application for today. Here's the so what. Most interesting man in the world. Ready? Stay hungry. My friends. Stay hungry. Stay hungry for God to keep making people right with himself. Stay hungry for God to keep making people right with himself. Pray for it. Ask for it. Expect it. Never stop asking. Stay hungry for holiness. Do what is right. And if you fail, and you will, get up and do it again. Try again. We will never get it all right on this side of eternity, but we must not stop pursuing it. Stay hungry to do what's right. Hungry for justice. Not because you want to earn God's approval, but because you already have it. This is not a have to. This is a want to. Because of what God has done for us, I want to respond. And stay hungry for rightness in our world. Can I tell you, there has never been more wrong with this world. Be relentless in your pursuit of justice for those who don't have it. We need to stand up for those who have no justice. The happy people are those who are starving for rightness in this world between them and God in their own lives as they express it and in our world around them. They're starving for rightness. I've got the reality is this as I close. If you will stay hungry, Nikki, you can come. If you will stay hungry, I got great news for you today. The grass is coming. Lots of it. More grass than you can eat. Every single thing that is wrong in your life, in the lives of those you love, in the world around you, it will be made right. And here's how I know it. You have God's word. He promises you will be satisfied. You will be satisfied. You go, yeah, but God, you don't know how angry I am or how upset I am or how much I, I just can't take this, God. I'm starving for this. I want it now. I don't know if I can make it to the next place. I don't know if I have enough. God says, hey, stay hungry. It's coming. It's coming. And that promise, it is like water. It is like food. It's, it's enough for today. It will not be enough for all time, but it's enough for today. See, because again, the promises of God, they are now and not yet. It is now, but not yet fully. And God says, now I promise you, it has not yet happened, but I promise you, it will be satisfied. That hunger, you'll have enough. That thirst, it will be met. I promise you, and that's enough for today, but someday, you're going to have it all. The happiest people are starving for everything right. And they're going to get it. Let's just pray this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for being relentless in your pursuit of making everything right. You want to make things right in our lives, Lord. And it's something that we can't do on our own. But you do what only you can do. That is your righteousness. And God, you make us you give us the strength and the grace to do what's right in our world. And there are times we fall short and your forgiveness just washes over us. And it compels us to continue to be hungry 
for righteousness. Not that we attain it, but that we, we keep looking for it. Keep trying. Stay hungry for it. And God, we are hungry for justice in our world, for rightness. There's so much hurt and so much pain in this world. So much wrong. So much evil being done. So many things, God, that we don't know that we can keep putting up with this. And into, into that hunger, into our hungry and thirsty hearts, Lord, you just speak your promise, your hope. That you will satisfy those deepest, deepest pains. And as we pray today, if you know that things are not right between you and God, today is a new day. You have never been in this day before. You cannot change the past, but you have an opportunity in front of you at this moment. God is waiting you with open arms. Being made with right with God is something only God can do for you. Your part is simply to accept His love and His grace. If today something is stirred within you and you feel you are ready to acknowledge you know that you are starving for things to be right in your soul. Would you just simply raise your hand as a way of saying, God, I need you. So much is wrong within me. Restore me. Fill me with all that is right. If that's you, would you just, just raise your hand? Today? And perhaps today, you have a relationship with God, yet struggle to do what you know is right. You know that God's love is unconditional. We do not have to get it all right. Yet if today you feel that you do not hunger to do what is right, as you should, and that's between you and God, only you would know. If that is you, would you invite God this morning to give you that hunger? Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I want to hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness in my own life. I want a hunger to do what is right in my own life. If that is you, would you just raise your hand and say, God, give me that hunger. And finally today, if your heart aches for all that is wrong in our world, and you aren't sure you have enough strength to make it to the end of this journey, if your water is running out and your body and your soul are fearing, just feeling weary, and you need God to breathe new life in you today, you need that hope for what is to come and the courage to keep walking despite the pangs of hunger you feel. If today, you just say, God, I, I need you to just pour out your, your water of, of hope and promise in my life. Fill me today. Nikki's going to lead us in a song. And as she does, this song is going to be a declaration today. And if you just want to, you, you can feel free to stand or sit, but would you just join in singing this morning and let this song just be an expression of our need for God today. I need you more More than yesterday I need you I need 
need you. I'm going to invite you to stand. Would you just stand and sing this morning as we conclude? More than the air I breathe, more than the song I sing, more than the next heartbeat, more than anything in Lord as time goes by, I'll be by your side, cause I never want to go back to my old life, I need you more, let's declare it today. just thank you today. Lord, that in our hour of need, Lord, in in a world where we just recognize so much is wrong, Lord, you promise to make it all right. Lord, we need that promise today. Lord, I need that promise today. Lord, we are hungry and thirsty for things to be made right. Lord, continue to help us stay hungry. To not to not try to ignore it or to push it away or to try and satisfy that hunger with other things. But Lord, may we embrace it and recognize that things are wrong and, and we need to call them as they are, but that our hope is in a God who makes everything right. You will make all things right. God, today we, we, we place our faith in the one who is founded on justice, whose righteousness never fails. Lord, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice is as deep as the deepest ocean. Lord, you are infinitely fair and right. But that's the God that we have. I thank you, God. We need you today. And Lord, I'm just so grateful that in our time of need, you are here. Lord, for those that have made... Just taking steps of commitment today, Lord. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you confirm your presence in us, that you have done something in us? And Lord, the work that you began, Lord, your word says you are faithful to complete it. Lord, so the seeds that you have planted in our heart today, the seeds of hope, the seeds of change, the seeds of love, the seeds of healing, Lord, continue to water and nourish them. And may they grow and bear fruit in our lives. Do your good work in us so that when we leave this place we can bring that hope to a world that desperately needs it thank you we commit this day to you in your name we pray amen thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you were encouraged by this message for more information about life tree please check us out online at lifetreecc.com